Welcome to this week's episode of Talking Tolkien. And this is the very last episode where we're going to be talking about the Silmarillion. That's it. We're done. Nothing more after this. Next week we'll be moving on to The Hobbit. With that, here we go. We're going to talk about the Rings of Power and the Third Age. And then, that's it for the Silmarillion. Tolkien? You're Tolkien. You're saying it with like a G at the end. Like talking Tolkien. <laughs> like he is the king of the Tol. Like Jethro Tolkien. Isn't he? Jethro Tolkien. Of the War uh, of the Rings. Yeah, so um, so again, we this, we're, we're discussing this because, you know, it's it's included in the book, the Silmarillion. Yeah, it's like it's, the Calabeth Part Two. Yeah, in some ways. yeah, it's similar. It's similar to to a Calabeth. It's like, um, you know, a little sort of prelude slash linking uh, tale that tells us how things came to be, how they are before the Hobbit and Lord of the Rings take place, and yet after you know the story of the Silmarils. But at the same time, it goes through. The entirety of what happens in the Lord of the Rings. And yeah. A single, yeah, spoilers in, in like Lord a of single Rings. paragraph. Yeah, so. spoilers. But, but again, so what? Yeah, what this um, this little thing thing here is is kind of like an essay format of the events leading up to and containing Lord of the Rings. It's almost like an um, abstract for Lord of the Rings. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, most abstracts are not thirty pages long. Yeah, I mean, it just... but it's it's supposed to be like from the point of view of the Eldar because again that's where we're focused right now is the elves and their time in the world yeah. which comes almost to an end now and you know the time of men is sort of dawning now it says the this is the third age like it's like the rings of power and the third, the third age, age. Mm-hmm. now okay it talks about the third age but it also mm-hmm. talks a lot about it ending mm-hmm. is it over Okay. With the destruction of the One Ring? I know I'm getting head, but is it so, is that over? Because I was a little confused think, on that. Think of ages in Middle-earth as epochs. Yeah. So uh, the first age ends with... Um, the War of Wrath. Yes. And the second That's age it. is kind of the dawn of Sauron and all of that. And then the the end of the second age is when a Isildur slices the ring off of Sauron's finger. So you're talking about like events... Or yes. Yeah. I mean, yeah. we use the same yeah. system just with the birth of Christ. Okay. So, and, and we've only had one uh, like major epochal change, mm-hmm. but um, the end of the third age slash the beginning of the fourth age is when uh, the ring is cast into the fires of Mount Doom. Yeah. And you know, coincidentally, that kind of puts me on another thought that um, Tolkien kind of always had planned and wanted um, to figure out how these stories connect to our present day. Because, again, this was meant to be a the fa- mythology, the that, fantastical mythology of our world. Well, it's supposed to be the mythology that the United Kingdom never really had. Yeah, exactly. So um, there were plans and stories to sort of bridge the gap between the end of the Third Age and now, but uh, that's 
another day far in the future. So for now... I would love to read those. <laughs> I would seriously love to read that. Well, then you should probably take a look at Christopher Tolkien's 12-volume Histories of Middle-Earth series. The Lost series. Tales, yeah, and the Histories of Middle-Earth. Because, yeah, Christopher tried valiantly to... Okay, that sounds boring <laughs> now that you said it like that. Never mind. <laughs> well, because it's expansive. But anyway, right now we're going to talk about the Rings of Power um, and how they came to be and how the next sort of uh, age of... of Terror and uh, horrific events will come to pass. Uh, now, in now the Rings of Power came about pre, like before the events on Numenor. Numenor, yes, that was something that was confusing until it just it actually repeated the plot of a Calabeth. Yeah. Just again in the middle of this chapter, yeah. which was like, oh, I guess this takes place. And again, it's, yeah, it's giving you a timeline of when this stuff happens. First, we're kind of reminded, hey, remember this guy named Sauron? Nope. Um, which, uh, the, uh, the translation of his name, in case we haven't mentioned it before, is the Abhorred, which <laughs> is pretty great, um, because he is. So remember that Sauron was a Maya, and he had been called Gorthar the Cruel, and he was sort of Melkor's slash Morgoth's right-hand man. Um, One of his fallen angels who yeah. came with him. I think that's how I cleared it up. Yeah. Um, and Sauron was a very dangerous individual because he could change shape. And he could, like, make himself appear, you know, good and helpful and, uh, and, and nice <laughs> to people while, in truth, corrupting them to his own power. Like a really bad cheeseburger. <laughs> what? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Kidding. So, um, so Sauron, you know, after the War of Wrath, he appealed for pardon um, but then he was sent to the Valar to be judged by them, and um, uh, or well, well, Aonwe told him to go to the Valar, but be, yeah, because Aonwe cannot pardon yeah. someone of his own standing. Yeah, so, so he says he needs Manways. So Aonwe could have pardoned an elf, but he can't pardon another Maya. Amaya. Yeah, yeah. Oh, because okay. because they're of equal rank, right? <laughs> so anyway, Sauron's like, well, screw that, I'm not going to do that. That's um, embarrassing. <laughs> that's embarrassing. I will not suffer the indignity of. That. Of that. Yes. <laughs> so he, he goes back into hiding in Middle-earth and, um, you know, starts being evil again. <laughs> to Mordor? Um, yes, yeah. He settles up shop there. Yeah. Builds a s- s- stupid big but tower. This is, this is while he's, like, pulling a Melkor and yeah. like, trying to convince everyone he's, and, like, repented to good. Yeah. And yeah. so this is then when the, the rings are made and so he, like, gives them... Seven to the men and nine, or seven to the dwarves and nine to men, and then he like shows the elves how to make them, but the elves are like, "Nah, we're making them ourselves." And so Celebrimbor makes them, and then he makes the One Ring to rule them all, mm-hmm. and then the darkness binds them. Well, basically, so and the way that Sauron gets them to do this too, because I mean, we we shouldn't gloss over the fact that he's being tricky here. So yeah. he um he basically is is corrupting the elves. Um, you know, men are pretty easy to corrupt. Um, yeah, they don't seem to... I mean, they, They're they, not as strong-willed. Yeah, because also they're going to die, so if you just like say, hey, you're going to live a little bit longer, you know, right yeah. there. Yeah. But so the elves, you know, for the most part, saw through him and, you know, wouldn't um, bend to his desires. But he uh, eventually decided to try and tur- turn them against the Valar again. And so he tells them um, that, uh, you know, that... The Valar are, you know, don't really care about them in Middle Earth, and you know, if they wanted to, they could, 
make this land beautiful and as nice as Valinor, but they aren't. So uh, who's to say that you shouldn't take, you know, what skill you have to, you know, make Middle-earth better? Yeah. Yeah. Um, And keep a lot of your magic going on and stuff. So so the elves that were in um, Eregion were the ones that actually thought, okay, well, maybe that's not a bad idea because they love Middle-earth. But they still kind of longed for, like, the beauty that was Valinor. So they wanted to sort of recreate it. And they also really wanted to hone their craft and do, make beautiful things. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so then uh, they, they learned from Sauron. And the uh, smiths there at Austin Ethel made the Rings of Power. And, where, of course, where, Sauron where was... At? Where's that at again on the on the map? Um, so that point it to me on the map, please. High <laughs> <laughs> is dumb. So it was. Um, I mean, Rivendell is heavily referenced in this chapter. Yeah, this isn't Rivendell though. It's not Rivendell. I, I get. I gathered that one. This is more of like. Um, okay, so the uh, this was where the Noldor, um, and it's over the mountains. Um, and through the woods. <laughs> it's called Erigian, and it's um, in the woods, kind of with. The Sylvan Elves. Um, it's sort of near to the dwarves at Khazad-dûm. Oh, okay. I, I, I see what you're talking about now. Yeah. yeah. So, so, th- so there they uh, make the Rings of Power, and it's their greatest creation yet. And um, it was made by Celebrimbor. He was one of the. He was one of them. One yeah. of them. Mm-hmm. That's the weird thing I knew about before coming into this book, because again, this all started because I was playing Shadow of Mordor back in December, and. Celebrimbor is one of the main characters. Mm-hmm. So it seems like for that game, they took this chapter, like this part, and took like a little bit of a character mentioned. It expanded and made a, and whole, yeah. a whole game about like, that was kind of referencing, like you're playing someone who's like a Numenor, but like a Numenor years down the road uh, from all, all this stuff too. But it was just interesting, like going, going, man, this sounds, this is where they got that game idea from. But anyway. Mm-hmm. Well, technically... Legally, at least, they would have got the idea from the appendices at the end of yeah. Return of the King. Yeah. Because yeah. nobody owns the rights to produce any because, third of works based on the Silmarillion. Yeah. Anything on, in the Silmarillion is perfect. Tell that to Peter Jackson, <laughs> having been the one in here who has seen Battle of Five Armies. There was a lot of stuff I was going, this is, this is very familiar. Well, but all of the, all of the, um, the the fat in the Hobbit movies was ta- was drawn from the appendices of the end of Return of the King. So yeah. the end of Return of the King. Well, because if you look at the like the three published volumes of Lord of the Rings, they're of equivalent length. But Return of the King is actually much shorter than the other two, and like a third of the length is just appendices. Appendices, which contains some similar things to what I guess. In yeah, here. especially like, if, but, since it, you didn't he didn't think this was going to be published. So that makes sense. I mean, when I was like eleven, I ruined myself. I like I spoiled the ending for myself by reading the appendices. And it's like, you know, oh, you know, Gollum bites Frodo's finger off, comma, casts ring. And, and I was like, what? That doesn't happen. And then I was like, oh, well, guess I don't need to read the book anymore. Yeah, done with this. I was wondering why my copy that I've got is like, it was like 600 pages long or something like that. I was like, the other ones are like 300 pages long. Why is this one like 500? Return of the King. Probably oh. just because Cause of the, the appendices. appendices. Yeah. yeah. But anyway... Rings of Power have been made. Yeah, Rings of Power. So the elves made a lot of rings. There were many, many, many rings that were made. But, of course, Sauron made one ring in secret. And then, Um, of these many rings, Celebrimbor cast three. 
And of the, these three were the most powerful aside from the One Ring. Let me see Narya, Ninya, and... Julia. There's one with an emerald. There's no. one with... Oh, I already messed up. <laughs> so, um... There's one with a ruby. There's one with a sapphire. And the other one is Asphodel, I believe. That's... Okay. It's, uh... Fire, ruby, water, adamant, and sapphire. Adamant, okay. And they're fire, water, and air. Why did I say emerald? I have no idea. I don't know. Have you... Are you delving into the Oz fandom? I don't know. But so, um... The, the, the ring that Sauron had made, though, again, can control all the other rings and that's how he plans to bring all of these people under his own rule but then like because he's decided that he's going to be the lord of the earth well and and so the elves figure this out rather quickly and they're like as soon as he put the ring on and so they basically destroy all of their rings except for the three that Calabrimbor had made because Sauron never touched those so while the one ring had like awareness of them he could not directly control them. He could influence them, but he could not directly control them. He also them. couldn't find them, too, based on how this well, and so chapter then, goes. Well, and so then they hid them. Yeah. And uh, are we disclosing that now, or are we waiting for the big reveal at the end? Well, let's hold off on one of them. Okay, but, so... But I know one was taken by Elrond. Narya went to Elrond, and Ninya went to Galadriel, and... And, and Elrond... And, there, and I noticed that, like, it's, like, two different parts of the map, too. So they were, like... Yes. It seemed like they were trying to take them as far away from and, them as they could. And the last mm-hmm. one, as it turns out went to Kyrdon the ship ride. Mm-hmm. The, the power of these rings is that whosoever holds them uh, will be kind of free from mortality, effectively. And so they were given to men, regular grubby old men, who... Also dwarves. But yeah. I mean, also dwarves. But they, I mean, they were given to men who then began to live as long as Numenorians. And they were like, oh, well, Sauron has given us this great power. And then slowly, those nine men were corrupted and became the Ringwraiths. Um, they were well, and also pool. They they lived so long that they were like, they became like invisible or something like that. Like yeah, they were lose, they so lost form or what, something yeah, like what that. Yeah, what happens is you know they 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 live so long that eventually life becomes. I think the word is unendurable for them. Yeah, and yeah, they start to fade away. Um, and until eventually, no one can see them. They pass into the shadow of darkness. Um, I also found it interesting how I mean he gave some of these rings to the dwarves. But the dwarves were not as easily, like, corruptible. Well, the dwarves have always been very hardy individuals. Yeah. And, I mean, I think part of it is because they were kind of created outside of this system. Yeah. I guess but, so. But, but the dwarves didn't really want long life. They just wanted riches. Yeah. And so and they, they were, they've always been greedy. So they used them to accumulate riches. And so it is said that the seven great dwarf uh, strongholds yeah. were basically each formed around one of the rings. Yeah. So, but then also that the, most of those rings were lost, either eaten by dragons or like three were recovered by Sauron. Yes, yeah. And then obviously the nine rings that are given to man, they become the ring rates. And then the three left with the elves. One goes into hiding. One basically creates this protective bubble, almost like a girdle uh, around Rivendell. And the other, uh, held by Galadriel, does the same for uh, Lothlorien. Now, a, a random aside, but referencing like the Hobbit, which we'll be getting into next week. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like Erebor in the Lonely Mountain so that would be one of those places where one of those rings probably had some weird influence over mm-hmm. but Smog probably ate it or something along those lines yeah because again you know the, the, the dwarf the rings that were given to the dwarves um, they're kind of you know mentioned in passing and not really they're not really as important. Nothing really came of it, it seemed like. Yeah, so. because again uh, the dwarves were not as easily turned um, to uh, to Sauron's will, 
so yeah, meanwhile, um, Sauron, again, he's wanting to destroy the elves and kill off the rest of the Numenorians um, and have control of all the world. Um, because, you know, when you're an evil guy, what else do you want but control over all the world? <laughs> um, and the and same as we do every day. <laughs> so he's still, you know, putting on this, like, good face, uh, but at the same time, gathering all of the remainder of Morgoth's old buddies. Like, there were orcs here and there, and they started to build up again. Um, but not like Belrogs or anything like that, because they're still, like, lost in the earth, the few that still remained, right? Yeah. Yeah, so the Belrogs we, we won't see quite yet. And then, as the even the book says, as seen in the events of Akalabeth, yeah. which it, we're going to skim over briefly, mm-hmm. that stuff happens. Yeah. Moving on. <laughs> and so this time is called the Black Years, and this is like the second age of the and, world. And this is when uh, the... And even was, it was interesting, because it was... it was Like, Akalbeth was recounted here, mm-hmm. but quick, much, much more quickly, a little bit brief. But then there was like, this moment where it was like... Say, it had this nice, nice aside where it said how the Num- Numenor was destroyed, and like even Sauron was shocked by like the wrath that was displayed yeah. against the island because now his like his body is and form has been corrupted yeah. and now he was like a weird cloud that's being pulled along the winds as it was said mm-hmm. and he ends up back in Mordor mm-hmm. and that's when he starts building up his forces again yes. right so he builds um his tower Baradur Baradur yeah so basically because again so the Numenorians have been given this gift of this great island but then Sauron turned them against the Valar and t- you know, had them wage war. So then they were punished by having their land sunk. And yes, so if you recall from last week slash last chapter, <laughs> some Numenorians, the faithful, escaped and um, went east. Yeah. Yes. Elendil and his sons Isildur and Anarion. So Elendil founded a kingdom in the north near Gogolad, and Isildur and Anarion together founded Gondor in the south. In the south. And they founded three cities. That's Gilead, the capital, effectively, and then um, Minas Arnor. They, well, they build, yeah, they build these two towers. Yes, yeah, so Minas so, Arnor, uh, yeah. which means Tower of the Rising Sun, Setting Sun, Setting Sun. Yes, mm-hmm. and uh, Minas. It's Ethel. like it's it's what Minas Ethel. Ethel. Okay. Ethel. Ethel. Mm-hmm. Tower of the Rising Moon. Yeah. And Minas Ethel is on the east of of Gondor to keep watch on uh, Mordor, and Minas Ar. Anor is on the northwest to keep watch of the, kind of the wild bands of men. Yeah. And so they shared... So Asildur lived in Minas Anor, his brother and Minas Ethel, and then Flip they... Flop. What? Flip oh, you're right. Sorry. <laughs> um, Isildur lives at Minas Ethel, and Anarion lives at Minas Anor, but together they have they share... Um, power and thrones and yeah, Asgiliath. Um, and so with them, they had brought the sapling of the white tree... And seven stones. And the seven stones. And, okay. Seven weird yes. stones. So Asildor plants the sapling in front of his house uh, in Minas Ethel. And then the seven stones, three are given to the Elendil. Elendil, and then two each to the sons. And so the seven stones, as it turns out, are seeing stones that were gifted to the faithful by the Eldar so that they, so that they could communicate even after the rest of Numenor had this kind of blockade against the elves. A weird that was a weird thing like it almost seemed like uh that was given to them like almost like they knew in a weird way 
Well, like, I feel yeah. like it seemed like it seemed like it was more like appropriate from to have used those things now than ever before. Because again, at this time, the Numenorians and the elves led by Gilgalad were had this great alliance because they had fought against Morgoth. Yeah. Um, so yeah, this was their yeah their way to be able to communicate with each other, and also it was you know. Um, uh, Elendil could look over the sea and almost see the tower at Parasea. Yeah. So there was also a cool moment where, like, I can't remember it exactly, but one of the stones was placed on top of a tower mm-hmm. so they could just see it all the time. So I had this like weird image of just like, like them like checking it like a cell phone. <laughs> I don't know why. Well, just, that's what it is. Is everything going on? All right, no, that's going on. It's like Middle Earth cell towers. Actually, that's what they volunteer on. Based upon how it seemed like it'd probably be more like, I wonder if anything's going on there. <laughs> like a transfer back. If, if there's not yet already out there, we should found a, like, a tech startup telecommunications group called Palantir. Palantir, yeah. Oh, that has to exist. Yeah, that has. has to exist. So, anyway, I'm out, uh, around this time, uh... They notice that there's fire, fire yeah. because Sauron had built his, uh, you know, his stronghold, his dark tower at Baradur there, and uh, the neighbors are having a party. Well, and so it's messing up everything. So the the, the mountain slash volcano, which the elves have previously called Oradrin, they the Gondorians name it Amon Amarth Mount Doom, Mount Doom, or a Finnish metal band. <laughs> Seriously, like, have you... I mean, that that's where they got the name, is from... There are several, like, yeah. Nordic metal bands that are heavily influenced well, by Lord after, of the Rings. After, after last week's episode, we had a conversation about, <laughs> like, the refer- like the weird references mm-hmm. of Lord of the Rings and all sorts of random stuff, including Led Zeppelin being the primary one. Yeah. And what Tolkien would probably think of those, but... <laughs> They, they now know. Yeah. Sauron's over there. He's doing stuff. Sauron is... I, I like this this uh, description of what's happening as how he's building power. Um, so it says, uh, Sauron took up again the great ring and clothed himself in power and the malice of the eye of Sauron. Few even of the great among elves and men could endure. So, um, yeah. He's this is becoming where it's like, like a big, huge threat. This is like proper dark lord yeah. Sauron at this point. Yeah. Um, so he's preparing war and, um, you know, gaining some allies and still, you know, managing to turn some men and even some Numenorians to his will as well. Um, and Sauron attacks Gondor. Is this, is this, bef- no, I'm not going to get ahead. I feel like I was about to get ahead. And then, yeah. This was when, so this was, yeah, this, this first big attack. So he attacks Gondor, um, at Minas Ethel and destroys the white tree. But, but uh, Isildur manages to save a sapling. Once yeah, again. One more seed. So yeah. my Take only it. question is, like, what other, like, flora is cross-pollinating with these trees, you know? like This is a hallowed tree. So it reduces, it, it reproduces it asexually? Yes, yes, actually, I could believe yeah. that, yeah. Yovana made this tree to grow, right? Yeah. So, yeah, it, it could, you know, you could rebuild it from a sapling or a fruit. That's, yeah. And now he goes to... They retreat with him and his, like, wife and son. That was specifically mentioned. Retreat off to Minas Arnor. Mm-hmm. Did I say that right at all? Yeah. yeah and and so uh, Minas Ethel becomes basically colonized by the Ringwraiths, who turn it into... Minas Morgoth. Yeah. No. Morgul. 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 My Morgul. Sorry, I got mixed up with Morgoth. So, um... At this time, Elendil and Gilgalad forge this great last alliance of men and elves, too. 
Um, Which, if you've seen the first three minutes of the Fellowship of the Ring movie, basically this is what yeah that is. And well, and also wasn't like they they said like this alliance was like the big like almost like the biggest yeah. alliance ever seen in Middle Earth this time, which seems yeah. crazy after all the other stuff that they did to take down Morgoth. Yeah, it was fairer and more splendid in arms than any that has since been seen in Middle Earth, and none greater has been mustered since the host of the Valar that went against Thangorodrim. So this was like you know second only to that war to of that Earth. one, yeah. yeah. Um, and fairer? I just... Yeah. Fairer. Fairer. Yeah. So, huh. yeah. So they siege Mordor for seven years, and Sauron keeps sending stuff out, and they keep killing it. So, eventually, Sauron comes out, and, and Gilgalad, and... Elendil. Thank you. Oh, why do I keep forgetting that? I don't know. I, yeah. like, how, I like how you know on cue, just to say <laughs> Elendil. Uh, are, they both basically wrestle with Sauron, and they are both Gil- killed. Gilgalad. Mm-hmm. Dead. And El- Elendil's quite mystical sword... Narsil, who kind of shone with this vibrant light, was, was crushed beneath Sauron. Well, crushed by Sauron as Elendil fell. Yeah. And then Isildur grabbed the, sh- the, the shark, yes, and, and shore the ring from his finger, from Sauron's finger. And and then Sauron popped and his spirit ran back to more... more well... To everybody else, like reading this, it was like it was like, oh yeah, he ran off to Mordor. But to everyone else, it looked like, oh, we killed him. Yeah. This is done because we have done this yes. great thing. So again, Sauron like loses form and just kind of flees away, and we don't know where we we believe he's gone. But a Sildor grabs, oh, and an Arian gets killed. Yeah, an Arian is killed as well. Yeah, and then Sildor um, gets that ring of power that was off his yeah. hand. And so Elrond. So this, however, this is the this marks the beginning of the Third Age. Yes, D- boom. Third yeah. Age starts now. So Elrond and is it Círdan? Yes, who yeah. are there? They beckon him to destroy the ring, a Sildor, and a Sildor says. No, this is my prize. Mm, he says, like, yeah. wear a prize or something? Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, he says that it's, like, payment for his father's, for his father's and brother's death. Yeah, that's right. So this is, like, this is like the, this is going to be a treasure of but he our uses family. A, it's like his trophy. Whatever, I don't remember the exact word he used, but I remember that it was appended by wear, like, like Lord of the Werewolves. I didn't understand that. Yeah, I noticed that, too. Mm-hmm. I got that, yeah. So, however, there is a sentence here that's going to tell us exactly what this ring like well why this ring is so powerful over people and it's we see it from the beginning and the ring that he held seemed to him exceedingly fair to look on and he would not suffer it to be destroyed Mm -hmm. yes so already the ring is showing this power that it holds over people to protect it and keep it for their own so after this he goes back to gondor and Esgiliath and Ruin, so they kind of turned to Minas uh, Anor, which they renamed Minas Tirith. Uh, off of the... Wasn't they... And, then they? and they named it off the tower that was previously called Minas Tirith, correct? Yeah, because there yeah. was an old tower way back in the... In the which I was confused days. about when I first yep. read so, this book. So. <laughs> so Minas Tirith becomes a great, powerful city. Mm-hmm. He... And this is why I got confused originally. He plants the new sapling of the white tree in front of Anarion's house as a tribute to him. Mm-hmm. And then... Sildur goes off to the north to basically claim the lands of his father, and along the way uh, are attacked by a band of orcs trying to get back at him for killing their daddy. And that was like my favorite little detail too, where he's like trying to get away by by being invisible with the ring, mm-hmm. and then while he's like swimming away, the, the ring goes him. nope. Yep, you know it'll it'll use whatever person currently holds it to achieve yeah. that mm-hmm. purpose. So yeah, Sildur uh, manages to escape, and yet the you know the ring betrays him. 
and he's shot multiple times um, and killed. And okay. for only... Oh, oh, go ahead. I was just saying only his youngest son survives. Yeah. Yeah. And for all intents and purposes, everybody in this world thinks that's it. The ring stops there. The ring it's, is lost. It is gone yes. forever. It is just stuck in a river somewhere. It is probably gone out to sea. Mm-hmm. There's no need to worry about it. Things happen in Gondor's a mind, uh, might is a mighty and proud civilization. And mm-hmm. time goes by and eventually things fall apart as they do. And the Numenorians, like the strength of their blood is kind of diminished over and they the lose, years. Out of inter- because yeah. people die off, basically. And they lose and they and also the king's line just kind of ends. Like they just yes. lose it. They lose and what's going on. So this is where the, the stewards take over. Yeah. Which I think is an interesting like they believe that somewhere out there is still a true heir, so they are only stewards. Um, and then the northern lands, which had been protected by the Rohirrim, just kind of break off into their own kingdom. Of that Rohan, was really interesting. Of Rohan. Yeah, that whole thing about the split of Rohan was fascinating to me because it was like these guys who were basically helping them out decided like, well, no one's really paying attention, so we're just going to take this land up here. Man, well, I you have, know, there isn't really a king. Yeah. <laughs> I have an embarrassing story about Rohan. I did not know this. Okay, well, I used to work at a call center. And uh, it was an interesting call center because we did anonymous STD testing, but we needed like an email address and stuff. And so I was like signing this guy up to get a chlamydia test or something. And I had not asked, you know, yet what his name was. And so I was like, oh, what's your email? And he was like, oh, it's like Rohan, like 2007 at Yahoo.com or something. And I was like, oh, you're a Lord of the Rings fan. He's like, what? And I was like, oh, never mind. As it turns out, Rohan has a first name that is... I guess not too uncommon in Ireland and he was yeah. mm-hmm. Irish and that was just his name and I had majorly put my foot in my mouth and I felt awful. I'm surprised. Wait, hold on. And, then, and that person's response was... Uh, no. <laughs> he just asked what I said and then I mumbled. Oh, okay. So that person probably hears this either all the time or has never heard it before. Yeah. It's either or. I mean, we got past it but it was very embarrassing. So, meanwhile, while, you know, the, uh, the blood of the kings is diminishing and kind of fading out. Um, so Elrond uh, has the Shards of Narsil with him um, and in, in, at Inladris, yes. which the men call Rivendell. Because he has prophesied that when the ring reappears, this, this sword will need to be reforged to redestroy Sauron, basically. Yeah. Um, but they hope that that will never happen. Because, you know, if the ring were to be found, then, you know, the Dark Lord would rise up and try to find and, it. And so this whole time, Elrond has been Raising and sheltering the heirs of Isildur, knowing one day that they would be needed, and also they are his blood. And that there would be one among them who would rise up and be yes. very important in the mm-hmm. final battle against the Dark Lord. So also, sometime in this... This is my favorite... Like, I think I know you're going to... This is my most favorite, interesting thing about this whole the, section. The Valar send the Istari... Who turn out to be wizards, mm-hmm. and not just any wizards. The three primary wizards you've interacted with. That um, I'm, I'm gonna get the rank names wrong, but it was like it was like Curin or Curian or Curion, Cur Connor, Curin, Connor, <laughs> Cochran. <laughs> Give me one up close. Well, okay. So who right, is, who right is, before who this Saruman. happens, though. So right before this happens, though, uh, we just need to plot this little point. Okay. Um, so. There's this place called Mirkwood, which used to be called Greenwood the Great. Uh, it's called Mirkwood now because so pre so and by the way so Greenwood uh, Thranduil is the Elvish king there, 
and uh, you know, there's lots of birds and beasts and whatnot that live in Greenwood, but uh, its name becomes Mirkwood because there's a darkness and a shadow that starts to grow there, and people are very wary of it. So only really the Elvish Kingdom, with, which withdraws to a small part, can kind of resist it. Yeah. And so this is these are the elves from which Legolas comes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Legolas is the son of Thranduil. So this was actually the shadow of Sauron. Who's so hanging out here, getting his strength back. Yeah. He's taking a short, you know, vacation break out in Mirkwood. Mm-hmm. And so it's at this time that the Astari come into Middle Earth. So Kirin, Kira, Cocker, Cochran. <laughs> wow. This <laughs> is Saruman. So nobody really knows where they came from except for Círdan, of course, and he tells Elrond and Galadriel they came from the West. So the Valar sent them. Um, oh, and of minor note, I just want to put this out there because we should have previously. Círdan lives at the this bay the of the Havens. river Loon. Yeah. Uh, is that it? Loon? Or something? Yeah. River, uh, the, yeah, the, the Bay of Loon. Mm-hmm. Which is created after the sinking of Beleriand. And so this is the Grey Havens where he lives. Yeah. And this is... If you if you have seen the Lord of the Rings movies, at the end this is like where that scene takes place with like Frodo and everything leaving. Yeah, the Grey Havens is where the 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 Valar allow the elves to sail on the straight exactly. road to. So you're right, that's super close there. to the Shire. So so, so yes, yeah, so the Grey Havens exist as kind of this this port by which the elves can leave. Yeah. Middle Earth, and so they are kind of the dominion of Círdan, as is. Rivendell with Elrond, etc. Yeah. So then these du- these dudes pop up. Yeah. From the Valar, who are like weird. I mean, they look interesting. Yeah, they look like old men, <laughs> and they look like they're very wise and have seen a lot. However, they don't seem to age very much, and they have they they're very wise and they have lots of power, including some sort of mystical powers. And they had many names, of course, as most <laughs> things do. <laughs> Um, but of course, they they never reveal their true names. So the names that they're given are given to them by elves and by men. So um, the chief, the chiefs of these of the Istari are named Mithrandir and Kuranir by the elves. Kuranir, that's what I was trying to get at. Yeah. I was close. Kuranir. The men called them respectively Gandalf and Saruman. Saruman was the oldest, um, and then there was also Gandalf, who was second, and then Radagast. And there were others as well, but we don't really hear about the, the other wizards. Yeah, yeah they kind of like... Well, they don't factor in. Saruman is the white, Gandalf is the gray, Radagast is the brown, and there are two blue wizards. Yeah. And it seemed like they just kind of like wandered off on their own. Okay, they so, go into the east. So the, the wizards are sent, or the Astari are sent to Middle-earth, Kind of to do the work of the Valar, but not in a heavy-handed way. They're kind of, they're there to practice soft power and trying yeah. to get people to either be aware of the shadow of Sauron or to oppose it. Mm-hmm. Like, they're not really supposed to be an army so much as kind of a... A guide. Yes. All right. Almost like an oracle. Yeah. So, um... And what was interesting is, like, the breakdown of the characterization of the wizards. Yeah, like, like who, Rad- they, who they associate with. Yeah, and like Radagast is Radagast like, is um, crazy and loves bunnies. Yeah. <laughs> if you watch the Hobbit movie. Well, is good with, as it put, like good with beasts. Beasts and, hangs and out birds. With beasts. Yes. And then Saruman seems more of like, like the he honestly seemed more like the more analytical one who mm-hmm. was like, who cared more about like, it said something about like foundry or something like that. Yeah. Like it was more like he was the like physical crafts of yes of of like mortal beings and definitely. elves and he well especially the men 
So Saruman kind of associates himself most with the men, but he does yeah. he does really he's really interested in like smithcraft and whatnot. But he he also of of the wizards, he's the one with the greatest knowledge of Sauron. Yeah. And because like, he studies it. Yeah. So he's think of him almost like like he uh like it's Jurassic Park and he's Malcolm. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean yeah. that's totally what my image was. I was like sitting there thinking it's like like Jeff, Jeff Goldblum was Saruman. Like okay. So uh, oh, I have been the one who has looked over Sauron the most. That's not a the good Jeff Daniels. Jeff Daniels, Jeff Goldblum impression. Sorry. Anyway. And so, meanwhile, ra- ra- Mithrandir is closest to the elves and to Elrond. Well, it's like I was thinking about this like this like like Sauron is like a scientist slash engineer, mm-hmm. where Radagast is like this weird environmentalist like medicine man living off the off the grid. Where Gandalf seemed like the people person, like he seemed like a politician almost. Who, oh, like, Saruman get... is an engineer. I thought you said Sauron. I was like, no, I said oh, Saruman. Okay. <laughs> but like, but like, but then Gandalf is like the one who's hanging out with people, smoking weed, and <laughs> doing the people's work, <laughs> and talking with everybody. It's like, man, so... yeah, we should rise up against the people, or whatever. Well, and Mithrandir is also like he's a wanderer, and he doesn't really settle anywhere and he also says like he does not want to be the leader of anyone he answers Man, only to those who sent him here to Middle Earth and that's where his allegiance lies you little people should be in charge or whatever man and so Radagast kind of goes to live with the animals and Gandalf wanders as we know and um, Sar- uh, Saruman then goes to Orthanc and takes up residence there and Orthanc it is previously explained but only briefly was created by the Numenorians mm-hmm. as one of their outposts. And the Tower of Isengard was built from unbreakable stone. Yeah. Unbreakable. <laughs> <laughs> so it's Mithrandir, however, who begins to doubt that shadow the most. Um, and Well, because he's actually talking to people who are going, I feel weird here. Yeah. Hmm. All right, we should check that out. And he actually goes and chases the shadow off, too. Um, then... You know, the shadow returns, and Mithrandir is like, "Okay, we need to talk about this." Is this before or after the White Council, or is this? This is where the this White is where the White Council yeah. comes about, and the White yeah. Council is Elrond, Gladriel, these, except for Radagast, because I feel like Radagast wasn't mentioned. Yeah, very clearly, right? And, there. Yeah, it's Mithrandir and Curanir. Yeah, and isn't Círdan also? Yeah, Círdan, and also. also some other really big sort of names among the Eldar. Bill Clinton. Um, <laughs> so. Galadriel, who is at this point kind of the only Noldor from, like, or at least who she's the only elf left in Middle-Earth who had seen yeah. Yeah. Valinor. So she's, like, the greatest yes. of all of the leaders of the Eldar. Let's so, just say she's got perspective of yeah. sorts. So she yeah. asks Mithrandir to lead the council, and he says no because he has no allegiance. Yeah. So, by default, it goes to Saruman. Yes. It's just funny the way that was wording was like I don't want to hold that office because yeah. I'm 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 a lover not a fighter and <laughs> I'm if elected I will not or if nominated I will not run if elected I will not serve. I'm just seeing Jeff yeah. Bridges now as <laughs> like the dude sitting there and like his hands going man I don't want that I don't want that power man. So the shadow continues to grow, and now at this point Mithrandir talks to Elrond and he's like, "It's as we suspected. This is Sauron, and he's gaining strength." And currently, the the book is rightfully just goes in and tells us now Saruman is leading up this White Council, but he's already got treachery in his heart because yeah. he just wants to kick out Sauron and be well because he spent dude. so much time studying Sauron that he views himself now as an equal. Yeah, 
and he, he wants what Sauron wants as well, and believes that if he can just wait it out um, and find the ring, that he mm-hmm. can overtake Sauron. Now I'm gonna just not to like get ahead of ourselves, like with like our we're gonna get getting the Lord of the Rings ready and not spoiling my interaction with the movie. But based upon this reading, I feel like the characterization of Saruman may have been right for like Christopher Lee probably played it right, but the way it was edited and put on screen well, seems was, weird now. I was literally just about to bring this up because one of the things I think the movies did not do so well, the original movies, which I think the general consensus, unless you're Christopher Tolkien, is that they did a good job. They're pretty good. Translating yeah. the material to screen. They they make it seem like Saruman is working on behalf of rather than, yeah. than yeah. in opposition to Sauron. Yeah. Basically Saruman wants to defeat Sauron and yet Assume, take, his place. assume his place. Yeah. Yeah. He's not a tool of Sauron, he's like and a rival. The Lord of the Rings and in in many ways also the Hobbit he, actually the Hobbit does even worse makes it seem like he was tricked by Sauron. Mm-hmm. So I... This seems more interesting, now that I know this, of like, no, he is straight up... He He's the one playing Sauron, probably. Yeah. Again, you know, Sauron has taken shape now, um, and is wanting to find the One Ring and, you know, fi- find out the whereabouts of the heirs of Isildur, because he knows that uh, that's important to his own fate. Um, and Elrond, meanwhile, is like, okay, this is why I told Isildur to destroy the ring. This is why things are going down now. Um, and Mithrandir is like, well, we can defeat Sauron if we act now. Because if he gets any stronger, he can act without the ring. But right now, we have the three rings. Yeah. And then Saruman jumps in and he says, yeah, but the one ring fell into a river where it was probably washed into the sea and will not be found until the unmaking of the earth, like a Silmaril. So So we should just sit here and wait. We should just wait it out. Yeah, guys, let's sit here and wait. You know, Um, till the end of time. Like, we probably, you know... Actually, that's that's where I started thinking about it and the power of the ring and the power of the ring has over people. And I was thinking... What if you actually could, like, try to, th- like, physically throw the ring into the ocean? I was just thinking, like, but then the ring would probably say something, like, to you. It's like, no, but there's a better way of actually destroying it would, yeah, me it would find a way off to of Mordor. You. you probably should go do that instead. And it's like, hi, I tricked you. So, you know? then, as it turns out, the ring was found by the unlikeliest of creatures. Well, and Mithrandir alluded to this, too. So... You know, while everyone's kind of despairing, and Elrond's like, uh, someone's going to find the ring, and there's going to be a big war, and this age is going to end in darkness, and everything horrible is going to happen. Guess what happens? And Mithrandir says, Many are the strange chances of the world, and help oft shall come from the hands of the weak when the wise falter. Um, super prophetic of him. Yep, super prophetic. Um, so, yeah, little do we know, uh, sure enough, the ring reveals itself to... What is only referred to in this section as... Fish of, folk. Yeah. The fisher folk, yeah. Fisher folk. Uh, which we know as Smeedle Gollum. Yeah. yeah, no names are being batted around for anyone, like, a lower player. Yeah. But basically, like, they, like the orcs have been searching the area where Sildor died, and they're not able to find it. Yeah. And so, that kind of has, like, Gandalf, like, freaking out, if I remember correctly. I can't remember. How did it, how did it read? Was it the Gandalf... Is watching this happen, or is it the, the the book is just telling us what's happened? Where 
It's been found, but it was by Smeagol, who's taken it off under the mountain. Well, once, so, remember, uh, Bilbo then finds it, which, yeah, we, Bilbo which then finds again, it. Is, is not said. It says, it's, uh, it, this is where the, when the book's blitzing Yeah, past. so, it, again, we're, like, running through The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings in the span of a couple of uh, sentences here. So, yeah, uh, you know, Smeagol takes it under the mountains, and it stays there for a while, and then it was found again by a wayfarer fleeing into the depths of the earth from the pursuit of the orcs. Um, and passed into a far distant country, even to the land of the Perianath, the little people, the halflings, who dwelt in the west of Eriador. No, you know, no one yeah. had ever considered the little people playing into this, right? <laughs> they just thought it was ended up in the sea. Nope. Yeah. So Mithrandir, yeah, at this point finds out about it, and he's worried because he knows that none of them can bear that ring because it will turn them into something evil. Well, um, the the the... The the what, what are they called again? The Istari. The Istari. They yeah. can't because it will instantly like make them crazy powerful yeah. and a real threat. But those Hobbit folks who are super stoned, they <laughs> love to eat. Those guys. And they're very simple people, and they don't want power. That's they don't want why, power. That's why the world. That's why Hobbits make such great ring bearers, because. And that is why the tradition of having a small child be the ring bearer at your wedding. This is where that tradition comes from, <laughs> because small children look like hobbits. It's like a it's like an affront to the time when the, the third age ended and we killed Sauron. So, in case you didn't know, the tradition in a wedding of having a small <laughs> child bring the rings down uh, the the aisle. Is, no, not at all. But actually, that's hilarious. So, and then at this time, it mentions that. You know how um, Elrond had been raising the heirs of a seal door. It says that at this time, Aragorn, son of Arathorn, kind of is the one, and so they reforge the sword in our seal. And so then, I mean, we also skipped over how like some of the uh, Numenorians kind of got lost in the north, and they became the, the Dunedain, and the, yeah, you and know, they were very mysterious people, yeah. and no one knew where they came from. So eventually, that's we, an allusion to the Rangers. Yes. So at this point, we just get to the Lord of the Rings. Yeah. And they mention Frodo by name, but only once. Yeah. And so it says that it basically skips through the entirety of Lord of the Rings, and it's like, oh yeah, there's this great battle at Minas Tirith. And the ring was unmade. <laughs> well, no, it says there's this great battle in front of Minas Tirith, and the good guys win, and then they, uh, and then it says that um, Aragorn and Mithrandir go to the gate, the Black Gate, and they're, you know, but they're like hopelessly outnumbered. But nobody noticed that these two. These two halflings were climbing up the shores of Mount Doom, and then it just says Frodo cast the ring. And it Gandalf's open off the Well, but it doesn't mention... I, I mean, it doesn't actually say how the ring was destroyed. It just says Frodo did it. Yeah. And then, yeah. So, uh, so yeah, basically we have, you know, a very short account of everything. Well, we forgot the three rings. So because the, the power of the three rings is tied up with the power of the one ring, mm-hmm. once the one ring is destroyed, the kind of the magical protection over Rivendell and Lothlorien leaves... And so that is why in the Lord of the Rings movies we see the elves starting to leave Middle-earth. Just, just leave, Because yes. si- since their their homes are no longer protected by the power of these rings, their time in Middle-earth is over. Yes. And they, you know, they have become weary of the world and no longer wish to remain there. So they go to the havens and sail across the sea. And at this point, it is also revealed that the Ring of Fire, which had been held by Círdan, was given in secret to... Gandalf. Yeah. Was, holding it, was he holding it the whole time? I feel like he should have been. We don't know. What, what is his face? What is his face you're giving me? He, I don't actually, know. he actually buried things. it on, a, on an island in the shadow, uh, the X shadow made by two palm trees. 
<laughs> the movie It's a Mad, 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 Mad World is actually a tie-in to The Lord of the Rings, oddly enough. They're gonna t- I, okay. <laughs> Such lies you tell. Um, <laughs> I am the deceiver oh, so of man. Choice. I am but, like Sauron. So there's a reason why that's specifically like kind of like thrown out there. It's like, oh yeah, he has it. I'm not gonna tell you when he had it though. Well, again, it's just you know, there's there's a point in in a, well, a couple times in Lord of the Rings where you know there's there are reasons why certain people can't take the ring because it would turn them into something evil. Also, a lot of things about, like, and then, basically, that's it. That's yeah. how That's how the whole book Well, ends. and then it says that the last of the elves leave, and so do the... So does, like, Gandalf, and... Yeah. So well, and, and, and they have a prosperous yeah. age, and the tree of Minas Tirith, like, reblooms. Well, no, everyone... no. The, the tree had died. They find another sapling. Again. <laughs> this one Mithrandir found in, like, the hills behind Minas Tirith, and they replanted it. And now that there's a king again, um, the, you know, the tree blooms. Oh, yeah. okay. the, this is the age of the Dominion of Man, yeah. and that's the fourth age, and... So this is, yeah, this is the point where sort of the magic of Middle-earth is leaving, because, again, the elves are gone, and now... It's the land of men. Even though the Sindar are still here. Sindar yeah, are kind but, of unimportant this entire yeah, time. Yeah, Sindar and dwarves, too? Or just, I mean, I mean, it's weird. It's the not like dwarves, the most... The dwarves spend most of their time uh, under the mountains just being happy with their treasure unless they're needed <laughs> to, um, to, you know, fight some big battle. <laughs> on a, on a yeah. boar, I don't know. But anyway, yeah, that's it. That's it mm-hmm. of all that. Uh, I was always curious about, like, the interaction with um, Gandalf and Bilbo, mm-hmm. where I think, like, like he thought, he knows that, like, Bilbo has a ring of power, but he doesn't mm-hmm. know what ring of power it is. Mm-hmm. And, it, and I was always wondering about that. It's like, well, there's, like, one really big one that you don't know where it's at. I feel like that would be important. But, but there's also these other ones that no one really knows exactly where they were at either, mm-hmm. so I guess it could be possible that he just... One of those. Gandalf has a suspicion from the beginning that it's the One Ring, but at the same time, like everyone is so freaked out about the eventuality of finding it, and you know, then it being even easier for Sauron to find it again. That like kind of everyone's anytime there's a that that someone finds like a magic ring, they're like, oh god, I hope you okay. You remember what it was like in the hour and a half online, you know, like four years ago when. Twitter just erupted and was like, the president's called an immediate press conference, and then, like... Oh, yeah, It kept yeah. on getting delayed, and, like, secrets were leaking out, and people were like, I think it's Osama. I think Osama bin Laden is dead. Like, that's yeah. kind of... And the rock and the rock came out and said, we found a ring of power, guys! Yeah. My buddy on the Marines told me. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's how that played out. No, but that's how I, like... That's how I'm kind of imagining this, is, like... Yeah. Like, Gandalf has suspicions, but nothing confirmed yet, and, like, talk is coming up, and chatters that the ring has been found, and Gandalf's like, I think this is it. I think I know. Yeah. And then it's, you know, there's such a burden, which we'll see, because uh, it has to be destroyed, and there's only one way to destroy it. <laughs> and, again, not just anyone can carry that ring. What happens if you swallow the ring of power? You pass it. I mean, you would pass it. I mean, but... <laughs> obviously, but what would it be like going through you? I don't know. Sauron would become a better... <laughs> would that be the same as wearing it? And I feel so like it Sauron would be. could, like, you know, control your thoughts at that time. Well, also you'd be invisible too. <laughs> and so would you? I don't know. I don't know if that counts as wearing the ring. No, um, I guess not. But you know. <laughs> but so yeah. So um, basically, we've we have the events set up for us, and we now know 
um, exactly what the powers of the ring are and why it's so lusted after and why it can do things to people. Because the thing's because a little liar. Well, yeah, and it's a part of Sauron himself, basically, um, who himself is a great liar and a corrupter. So it's just like all that evil of corruption and lying made into this pretty little shiny object. Um, and well, also such a, I mean, such a small thing, too. But yep. that's it. Yep. I have read the Silmarillion. <laughs> I never thought in a million years I would have that book read and in my brain and not and knowing things and be able to like. I was watching something about Lord of the Rings, the movies, and I was like, "Oh yeah, that's a reference to." Oh no, it's happening! It's happened. <laughs> yep, I know this now. Yeah, wait till we actually like, watch the movies, or like not even necessarily reading the books because the books are just continuations, but in the movies, all little things. Because mm-hmm. like just reading that part, there is some big stuff from The Hobbit. That that yeah. they that they use they put into that that was in this. And I was like, I know what's about to happen because they put it in the Hobbit. That's weird. Mm-hmm. It was one of the cooler things in the Hobbit, yeah. especially in that third movie. But it technically wasn't part of the Hobbit. Yeah, that, I feel like they play <laughs> fast and loose with the timeline of this world. Yeah. So um so yeah we'll be jumping into the Hobbit next. Um, but I don't know I I I always want to think about like what were our favorite parts from our reading that we did today and I. This it was such a. This is a very strange. I never knew what the wizards were, thing, but yeah. And I thought that was the coolest thing. I think the wizards were like just infinitely cooler to me now after this. So that was definitely my favorite thing. Just cause I never knew really what they were. I just thought there were some dudes who had powers. <laughs> well, they basically are. <laughs> well, I mean, it was more than that. But essentially, yeah. And then we know that they're they're sent by the Valar. I don't know that I have a specific favorite image or anything, but I suppose my favorite part is that I finished the Silmarillion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I yeah I don't know I guess uh, the you know the Istari jump out at me too because um, I, I I don't know I I like how the sort of unassuming are often the biggest heroes mm-hmm. in this world so you know the the Istari take the form of just old men right yeah but they're crazy powerful and similarly I you know the hobbits just have a special place in my heart because again they're like the weak who can take this incredible burden and um, become these great heroes. So, And well, we have a very slight reference to that in this um, passage that we will be uh, exploring much further in I'm, the future. I'm actually very happy we're done with Silmarillion because I won't have to read anything as dense <laughs> for a while. Cause yeah, we're moving to a damn. fairy tale. <laughs> I mean, I've already read the first chapter of The Hobbit, and it's great. We're, I love it so far. We're moving from a history book t- uh, and this like, you know, great tome of mythology <laughs> to, um, yeah, a fairy tale. It's a children's book. <laughs> and we're going to learn some great lessons. Well... The only thing we got right now is to wrap up is we got some fan art from somebody online. Yes! Thank you. Yeah, it was Michael. I'm not going to say your last name, but if you're Michael and you listen to this show, you know who you are. We had yeah. an Bond's Angels yeah. art that was... He actually sent it to me and it was like super high res. So it was like... It was too big to send out. So I actually like had to like knock it, the res down a little bit, but it was ridiculous. From that random uh, joke we made. Yes. <laughs> yeah, also this guy... He wanted to make sure that we uh, we uh, talked about his website, which is michaelordway.com. So, yeah, that, that was a plug he wanted right there. And I, I'm, we're totally willing to give it to him. He's like freelance 3D design and 
uh, audio and video editing. So cool guy. So we will put that on on our Facebook. Yeah. And Twitter. And as always, you can find us on Facebook and Twitter uh, at Talking Tolkien, um, as well as Talking Tolkien on iTunes and Stitcher and TalkingTolkien.com. And if you'd like to email us, we have a new email address, finally, uh, theprofessor at TalkingTolkien.com. And we will reference you. Yes. Like we just did. Yeah, so. if, you, if you want to send us uh, hilarious art based on silly things that we say, or if you just <laughs> want to talk to us, you can... Uh, contact us by any of those means oh and we love it uh, a brief note we do record actually week generally before we air the show so don't get dismayed if we don't talk about you yeah it's just easier that way and also like it's not like subject matter is going to change week to week like they're not talking about current events we're talking about events that happened during the third age (laughs) well i'm john i'm katie i'm chase i read that book yeah (laughs) thank you for listening let's go through the glossary now (laughs) 